cattle are part of the solution, not the problem. The cows need a new PR firm. It, it hasn't been. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, everyone. I'm Morgan, co-founder of Primal Kitchen and host of the Primal Kitchen podcast. Today, I'm super excited to be chatting with the founders of Alexander Family Farm, Blake and Stephanie. They are fourth-generation dairy farmers from California who met at Cal Poly while they were both studying agriculture, eventually got married, and have five children. They bought their current farm in 1992 and have been there ever since. In 2002, they became certified organic farmers and began studying soil and nutrient density on their farm. Through their studies, they learned the difference between A1 and A2 beta casein proteins in milk, and they began to breed A1 out of their herd. Today, they have a large herd of 100% A2A2 genetic cows and sell only A2 organic milk and yogurt nationwide. Alexander Family Farms, the first certified regenerative dairy and egg ranch in the U.S., and they're also certified organic and certified humane. Before we get started, a brief reminder that any and all opinions and views shared by hosts and guests on this podcast are the speaker's own and do not represent the view of Primal Kitchen or its affiliates or parent company. Ooh, that was a mouthful. Hi, guys. How are you? Hi, Morgan. <laughs> we're great. Thanks. Yeah, we're great. So good to have you. Um, I'm a big fan of your brand. I love what you're doing. I'm passionate about this regenerative ag space. And, you know, Mark and I love the whole A2 dairy story. So, I mean, I think we should just start at the beginning. How did you guys get into this farming thing? And how did you learn about regenerative agriculture and A2 dairy? Sure. Well, we were we were both born and raised as dairy farmers, so our, our parents were were doing that already. Stephanie in Southern California, Mia uh, more in the north here, uh, where we currently live in this area or region. And then, uh, like you mentioned in the intro, we got we we met at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo um, a long time ago, thirty five years uh, ish, a little more than that, thirty seven thirty seven years ago, and so. Um, for us, we, we started out dairy farming in, in Stephanie's community in a rented facility with her parents. And uh, we were down there in Southern California for four years in the Chino area. And and then the opportunity came to buy the ranch that we're currently on. And for me, it was a chance to go home. And, and more importantly, it was just a chance to get out of uh, large scale industrial dairying in, in the Southern California area and, and get back up here where we grow a lot of grass and, and graze cattle, which is certainly more where my upbringing and, and uh, comfort was. Yeah. When I met Blake, it was neat to see where he was from and, and go into the town of Ferndale, Northern California, right on the ocean and, and just see the beauty of the dairy that's grass-based. I'd never seen that concept before growing up in basically confinement dairy facilities. And it was neat to see that. And then when this ranch came for sale two miles, miles north of where Blake grew up or two hours north of where Blake grew up, um, it was just awesome. The creeks on it and the, and right, the ocean breeze. And we instantly kind of became environmentalists too. You just kind of can't help but protect what's there and then make it better. And it really changed our mindset back then in, in 1992. It was kind of like when you really started hearing about environmental movements and things like that. And then we realized, hey, we're in agriculture and we're really the biggest environmentalists there is because we want to this property to be better for our next generation so that they can also want to farm here or dairy here. Love it. And so you guys then took over 
after college, got married, had kids, started dairy farming. And then how did you like get into the regenerative ag movement and learn about A2? Yeah, I I would say one of the first early things that we learned was through a soil agronomist who became a really great friend and learning about organic matter in the soil. And so I'm sorry, a soil what? Agronomist. Okay, I've never heard of that before. What is that? Help farmers grow stuff. Okay, cool. By by looking at the soil. And he really had a natural kind of an organic bent as his personality and what he believed in and really watch that organic matter and feed that soil and feed the soil biology. And really what we were paying attention to is the organic matter in the soil. And then we would want to grow that and grow it as in make the soil healthier. And when you do that, you do know, you don't want to do any harm to that soil. You want to protect it. You want to build those microbes and things. And that was a concept we learned early on. And the other concept we learned is that we had a lot of riparian zones where the cows were still going into the creek and stuff. So we worked on building fences and planting trees in our riparian zones. And as we worked on that organic matter in the soil and the grass just got greener and um, and stayed greener longer and better water holding capacities. And at the same time, the creeks just got more beautiful and, and more um, wildlife came around. It was like, build it and they will come. And then the bald eagle nest came and the Roosevelt elk came and the Lucian geese came and, and the frogs, just the populations grew. And then we got known for salmon in our creeks. And so all that just happened, but it was, it didn't just start last week. It was something we started 30 years ago when we bought our ranch. Got it. So you've kind of been do, doing some of these practices for a long time. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yes. And, and I, I would answer the question in that, um, you know, we were like everyone else selling conventional milk, trying to, you know, participate in high yield production agriculture, which is what they, they teach you at universities. And, uh, and as we were doing that and, and, you know, couple that with all this uh, environment that we're kind of find ourselves in and, and this beautiful opportunity to uh, kind of send the cows out to get their own grass and uh, switch gears. And it's not about the um, high production. It, it's, a, it's about, you know, kind of being in harmony with nature. And so, so it, it was a nice fit. And so a few years into having our farm here, along came a creamery looking for organic dairy production. And so we became the, the ninth certified dairy in California and uh, started selling milk into the Bay Area for Clover Sternetta brand. And, and that was their, their beginnings uh, using our milk. And then um, it, it just kept growing from there and eventually led to us uh, starting our own brand. Yeah. And I would say early years, you know, how do we raise calves organically? There's certain things that were harder, the cows and the pastures, those were, that was the easy part, because of course we don't want to use antibiotics in the cows at all. And of course we want to take care of our pastures. We had natural nutrient water and and compost and stuff we'll talk about later, but learning how to do certain things organically, we didn't know where to go. And somebody suggested we go to the Midwest uh, acres USA conference. And we went there and all these classes of people that were teaching farmers how to be organic. And Blake um, read a book called The Biological Farmer by Gary Zimmer. And he since has become a great friend. And Blake got passionate about the soils and grasses, even though he's an outstanding cowman. And I got to know Sally Fallon and Weston A. Price Foundation and became this nutrient-dense foodie mama for our five little kids at the time. So it really focused our passion and our drive for what we believed and stood for. 
um, we're people of faith and just feel that that is God given to us to have that passion and therefore very purposeful as farmers, what we do. I love it. It's awesome. Um, so what did your, what did it look like at the beginning versus what it looks like now? Like, what are you guys doing different? What would you say? Or maybe when you grew up, like, you know, how different is it? Yeah. In a lot of sense. So there, um, yeah, when you say the beginning for us, we're thinking back 30, 35 years ago and what dairy farming was like then, right. As we're getting out of college, um, we are certainly a long ways from where that was. And so we're very, very different. We've left that high yield production ag model and, and kind of embraced something that is way more like how I grew up. Um, you know, how my grandfather, my great grandfather, and even my dad were doing things back in the 70s and the 80s. And then, you know, the high yieldness of uh, dairy farming really hadn't hit our region because. I grew up where we were always grazing cows and leaning on the grass and, uh, and, and it was a big part of our, our annual program. And, um, and that's still what we do today, but, but yet what we do today is very different than the conventional dairy industry by quite a bit where, where you've got a, you know, a, a large set of cows in a, in a confined operation where they're bringing the feeds to them and, and those feeds are grown all over the country. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say, and I mentioned our calves earlier, baby calves are the hardest to raise organically when you first learn. And after we really nailed it down and with the research and concentrating on nutrient density for the calves, as well as our family, um, we really saw, wow, we can raise super healthy calves better, I think. Why why is it hard? Like they require a lot of like antibiotics or they're... We were, we grew up in an industry where you use low dose antibiotics in your calves every day. That's crazy. Every day. Just no matter what. That's what we did. And when we pulled that away, um, that was not good. And so that, that was a learning curve. And then the way were they getting sick or what was happening? Yeah. But then, but then we knew, then we learned it was the way they were housed. So then we had to change the housing and put them outside and get ventilation. And so there was so many things we were just doing because it was easy. And now we knew a newer approach. And so today, you know, we learned this 22 years ago. And so we've come so long and if just a few years after that, you know, that first and second year learning to raise those calves organically. Now we're so proud of our organic calf program with the way we do. And they're so healthy. We don't need to use the antibiotics. And of course the industry itself has changed since then. Yeah. uh, Where they're not doing that anymore, but that was scary that first time because I was involved with the calves and cared about them. Yeah. I I think the point is that I'd like to just simplify it down in, in that, when, when you go from um, conventional agriculture and especially animal, any animal production, there's a lot of tools in the toolbox that the conventional uh, farmers can lean on. And, and when you go organic, it's like all of a sudden nothing's qualified. And so you got to either find substitutes or natural remedies. And that learning process is, is, the, is the scary part. It's, uh, it's all new. And um, eventually you, you kind of embrace it and you understand it and it, it just makes so much sense. And so I like to say that, you know, we're not really dairy farming any different than my great grandfather did. We're just, uh, you know, kind of marketing things differently. But, but the, um, the cows still go out and eat grass. So we feed them very little bit of grain and um, we take the milk that we get. And so it's a very natural setting. We would certainly learn more about cows and farming and as we're trying to implement you know, efficiency curves where we can. 
I love it. And how big is your operation now? It's quite large. We uh, we, we kind of farm in three counties um, here in Northern California, the two on the coast, uh, Humboldt, which is my home county. Our, our oldest son and his wife are down there in Ferndale right now. And then uh, up here in Del Norte County, uh, right on the Oregon border, um, both on the coast. And then Eastern California, where we grow hay over in uh, Modoc County, next to Oregon and, and uh, Nevada. So we're, we're kind of spread out here across the North State um, on a total of 9,000 acres, certified organic. So it's quite a bit. And uh, we, we milk uh, quite a few cows. Um, uh, we've got about 9,500 head of total livestock, uh, counting um, the milking cows, which would be uh, about half of that number, and then the young stock and, and some grass-fed steers. It's amazing. And have you seen growth? Like, are people, I mean, I, I know people are catching on in my world, but like, what what have you guys experienced just, you know, macro, on a macro trend basis as you've been selling organic dairy? And you're saying growth where, I guess, at what part of the industry? Like, are you feeling like demand is really there? Like if mm-hmm. like people are catching on, like people care. What? Well, we are definitely a high, um, high dollar, high value brand, both with our eggs, which is under the Alexander Kids label and our dairy products, which is Alexander Family Farm. And so we never set out to be cheap. We set out to be the best in the category. In other words, we're going out of our way to to make the absolute best egg and the best milk and even putting extra butter fat in our products and things like that. And so we're trying to be an extreme category leader and um, sales are just fine from our point of view. And I I, I don't know. Yeah. So we sought after we felt that we had something really unique. Um, the regenerative practices kind of came about the last couple of years. A name came to what we really were doing. But the fact that we were A2 and grass-based was a standout. And when we wanted that to get to the market, an organic version of A2, we went to different processors and they weren't interested in segregating the milk to do you know, their own brand of A2 organic milk. And so that's when we set out to launch it because there was a reason why people were leaving dairy. They couldn't digest it, autoimmune diseases being linked to it, just different reasons, or they got the phlegm in their mouth and they didn't care for it anymore or something. And we had many reasons to bring back people to dairy and to stand out. And it's difficult where we farm because we're away from the market and um, we're, our cows are grazing on grass. So they give less milk to per cow, but it's more nutrient dense because of our breeds of cows are higher in protein. So we are watching something grow that's unique. Regular organic milk, I'm not so sure about. Yeah. So talk to me about A2. What does that mean? A2 is the digestible protein in dairy. So it's the casein, the beta casein morphine is an amino acid chain. And people drink dairy and they find they can't digest it. And that's because that protein is foreign. It mutated they think about a thousand years ago um, where it just changed and they call it the A1 protein came in and people drink it. They can't digest it. Now that it's in their belly, it causes the lactose to ferment and they feel like, Oh, I got lactose intolerant. Well, 60, 70, 80, 90% of people that we talk to a lot of them will say, wow, I thought I was lactose intolerant, but in reality it must've been the casein because I can drink your milk. No problem. 
And then also when they digest it, it goes through their system and it crosses into their um, whole body system. And then they have these autoimmune diseases that doctors say, get off gluten, gluten's a protein or get off dairy. You might be sensitive to the dairy protein. And we have had people come up to us that drink raw milk and they switch to our milk. And since our milk is um, A2, they notice that their dark circles under their eyes left, their eczema left, their autoimmune diseases left, but they can digest it just like raw milk, even though they couldn't digest the other milk on the shelf in the grocery store, they could digest ours. So in reality, it was the casing they were sensitive to all along, not missing the lactase that's killed in pasteurization. Yeah, I I would add that, uh, you know, you have a lot of listeners and, and consumers that are probably you know, dairy intolerant or believe they are. <clears throat> and like Stephanie was saying, most of those folks think that it's lactose and that's the milk sugar, but it's it's primarily not. And I would just point this out that all mammal milk is A2A2, uh, including human breast milk. And so, you know, babies are okay on breast milk and then start to have issues going over to cow's milk and different things. And it's, it's not always the, it's not the lactose because there's lactose in breast milk. Um, it's the A1, we believe, that is present in the dairy industry, the, the, in the cattle industry, and, and it's simply a mutated gene. God didn't put it there. It wasn't meant to be there, and you know, it, and it shouldn't be. And so all we do is a simple DNA test to find out what our cows inherited from their parents, and, and they get uh, a gene from each parent. And so um, if they got an A2 gene from the, the, the dam and the sire, then we call them A2A2. And that is simple. Yeah, this is a, Mark's like really passionate about A2 dairy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't there like some crazy like trademarking stuff where you can't like yeah. someone trademark A2 so you can't even yeah. like mark it? Yeah, it was it was uh, patented for uh, 10 years. Um, a lot of concepts and couldn't even legally breed and all this stuff. You couldn't select for it. Yeah. We couldn't even buy semen selected for A2 legally. Uh, we certainly did, but it, and the A2 corporation is the group that did that. And they're out of New Zealand uh, originally, and then Australia based company now, and they've been marketing in the United States as well as China and Asia and, and, um, they only do conventional. We 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 argued and asked them and wanted them to partner with us to, to help develop an organic uh, option for A2 milk, and they wouldn't do it. So, you know, we got tired of hearing no for three or four or five years and decided just to do it on our own six years ago. I love it. Awesome. So that's what prompted you guys to launch your own brand and <clears throat> right. into the space. And now we can, people can find you guys nationwide at Sprouts and Whole Foods. Is that right? Yes. yes. Yeah. And that and, and other high-end natural food stores generally we're, we're out there. Or ask the grocery buyer to bring it in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Everyone listening. We did a lot of that. People asked for Primal Kitchen when we launched. A lot of people would yeah. go to their grocery store and ask the, hey, can yeah. you try Primal Kitchen? So it's a great way to support yeah. the brand. Yeah. What yeah. are you guys getting into yogurt or ice cream? Yeah, so we, we do have yogurt as well nationally. Yeah, um, yeah I'll I love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so so the um, so we have a you know kind of two two lines of milk, if you will. Some of our cows are 100% grass fed, so we we do have two dairies where we don't feed grain, and um, and that milk is extra unique. I think it's nutritionally extra special. Um, we've been part of that. Uh, 
we've, we've had that going on for about 12, 13 years, and we're quite proud of our, our grass-fed milk. Um, our regular line, uh, we feed some grain to our cows, and um, you know, we, we then focus on high fat in those products. And um, you know, a lot of nutritional goodness in what we sell. But but yeah, so our our uh, yogurts across the country are also there in Whole Foods and Sprouts. And we're going to be expanding that grass-fed line to a couple of different flavors and, and uh, different options. Awesome. People seem to really uh, appreciate the grass-fed version. I would I would imagine. Um, okay, you talked earlier about being a nutrient-dense mama and how that like kind of parlayed into your calves and your own kids. Tell me more about what that looks like. I have two boys, another boy on the way. I'm actually like super pregnant right now, like 36 weeks pregnant, but um, <laughs> there's like a real big bump. Yeah. <laughs> um, Our daughter, but yeah, I would love to know just what, what that looked like raising kids, you know, with the knowledge of the knowledge and just the approach and the tie in with the Weston A. Price Foundation. Yeah. I always think of what did we eat 2000 years ago? What did we eat 200 years ago? And focus on that. Lots of whole milk, um, whole foods, of course. Um, what was in season? And I, I see a push all the time, especially in schools, fruits and vegetables, fruits and vegetables, but that wasn't in season all year round, but we certainly had milk, meat, and eggs and animal fats. And that's where the nutrient density is in foods. And um, I'm a big kefir person. I've had the same kefir grains that I started with in 2002. And still we kefir, drink kefir all the time. I love the for taking our milk and fermenting it into the kefir. And um, I used to um, when I'd pick up the kids after a sporting events, I always had the mason jars full of kefir and they would be hungry and they'd just guzzle that down. I hide egg yolks in, in any smoothie I can, lots of egg yolks. That's a big nutrient dense. They need that animal fat. I'm hiding organ meats in, in spaghetti sauce and things like that. I don't run away and or I don't get into the really sprouting so much. I think it's all to the degree your body needs to heal. I would say I'm more paleo, but dairy emphasizing um, in our eating. I, I, I would add that, you know, this education uh, that Stephanie gained and, and we learned together and eventually our whole family and, and employees learned as well, um, certainly led us down to developing things like 100% grass-fed milk and that we, we fully understand the nutritional differences there mm -hmm. and, and that uh, the conjugated linoleic acid, the CLA content is very high and, you know, it's kind of perfect food in that regard. So as, as we've done that, then, then the other thing we did, um, I'm just going to look at our label real quick and we've got a little QR code on this, on this, uh, um, grass-fed milk in that the consumer can then just kind of hit the QR code, compare it with the date on the label on the top uh, of, of the lid and see exactly what the butterfat was from the cows. And so we're not standardizing this milk or changing it in any way, shape or form. We're just taking it from the cow and uh, pasteurizing it and bottling it. And, and so it's, it's the butterfat may be 4.3% or 4.7%, depending on the season or the week. I love it. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, are your kids still really like healthy today? Like how did, did they like buy into the movement? Are they all involved in the business? Like what's, what's family like? Family. Oh, family. So 
our um, oldest three are married and two of them are going to have babies anytime. Oh, congrats. Um, July and August. And so we're excited about that. And um, they are very much involved in the business. Um, our oldest son is, um, he and his wife live two hours south on our um, fifth, he's the fifth generation at that dairy farm at the dairy that Blake's grand, great-grandfather started. Cool. And so they're very health conscious, very much being that she's pregnant too, watching what she eats and, and listening to what a lot of us are telling her about the eating eggs every day and nutrient density, getting those um, good foods in for that baby. Uh, Joseph is, uh, he does a lot of our analytics and, and business forecasting and things like that. And um, he also is the manager at the dairy there. Um, our son, Christian, handles logistics for trucking and our farming where we were harvesting this time of year with making grass silage. And our daughter, Vanessa, who is also um, pregnant and due next month, is um, our dairy manager. She loves the cows. She has her rubber boots on and she's out with cows and heifers and where they're grazing next and always talking to Blake about what, what to do and what not to do. So that's really fun to have the oldest three involved in the business. And yes, they are very much aware of food and, and what they should be eating. And, and one of the things that, um, and I still read today, I was just reading last night in a book um, just about cancer and how sugar paralyzes the immune system and, and all, you know, carbohydrates basically are breaking down to sugar. And that's always a concern that so much carbohydrates are being eaten by Americans and, and the sugar. And, and so that's something that our kids focus on too. Yeah, absolutely. We're big on the like, it's in everything. It's like, it yeah. yeah, we yeah. launched the mayonnaise when we launched Primal Kitchen, our first product was mayonnaise. And we were looking at competitors on shelf and we're like, there's sugar in mayonnaise. Like, yeah, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. Who needs sugar in mayonnaise? Like, this yeah, is yeah. nuts. It's, it is nuts. I think people are finally kind of, yes, catching on and, you yeah. know, looking for alternatives. Um, <clears throat> so we're right there with you on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, the, you guys are just so lovely. I just want to come like raise my kids on the farm with come visit. <laughs> no problem. At least visit. <laughs> yeah, Sounds amazing. So tell me a little bit, this regenerative agriculture is like something I think, you know, our audience is probably familiar with. I've had on, um, the founders of force in nature who yes. founded Epic yeah. and then, um, pasture bird in down here by me in Temecula. And I oh. love what they're doing. Um, but what does regenerative agriculture even mean? And, you know, what's your take on just that movement in general? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. So what does it mean? Yeah. Uh, I guess I would start first with, uh, you know, the, the folks that you're talking about and including Will Harris out in Georgia, you know, those are all good friends and, and, uh, kind of mentors. And we love seeing those kind of people out there in the marketplace. And, and uh, we certainly love seeing them at shows and, and visiting and telling stories. And so we're kind of all running in the same circles. And you know, what does regenerative mean to us? Really, to us, it, it's it's just kind of a new cool and groovy word that uh, defines who we are and what we've been doing since we really learned about organic matter and, and how important it is in our soil. And then eventually that, that taught us that, wow, that organic matter is 56 or 7% uh, carbon. And so now we're sequestering carbon and we're part of the solution, not the problem. And, and um, you know, it's hard to achieve that, that and those levels without cattle. And so cattle are part of the solution, not the problem. And so we've learned a lot about that. And, 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 you know, certainly cows have had a bad rap and a bad, um, I think image and, and, 
you know, for, for instance, methane is a, has a 10-year uh, half-life. And, and in other words, it's cycling in and out of the atmosphere. Um, whatever's going in this year is leaving 10 years from now. And we've got less uh, mammals alive on the uh, in, in the United States now than we did when the buffalo were here. So, you know, I, I don't understand why cows are always this evil uh, consideration. It, it's, it, it's really ugly. Yeah, they need, the cows need a new PR firm. It, it hasn't been. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And, and I think we're, we're part of the, uh, you know, the, the committee on that PR form, firm in that, uh, you know, I remember we, we got interviewed by the Today Show and we're walking out in the field and they're, uh, Gotti, the uh, uh, interviewer, you know, we're talking to him. In fact, his wife was pregnant and getting ready to have a baby. And, uh, you know, so he's thinking differently uh, about nutrition and food. And and I'm there explaining to him, like, Gotti, our cows, this is a plant-based system. We're walking on the grass. This is what the cows eat. This is the majority of what they eat. And, um, you know, so it, it's, you know, we, we, we've got to wake up to that. And, and now that we understand how to be regenerative and, and truly build and increase uh, carbon kind of cycling back into the soil and, and staying where it's supposed to be, which brings yields and, and efficiencies and, and ultimately more profitability to the farmer. And so it's a good thing from everybody's perspective. Yeah. And I, I would add, if there was one term to define regenerative, I would call it soil health. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, everyone I talk to in this space that's like adopted this method of growing grass or feeding chickens or, you know, bison, whatever it is, it's just always like, it's so interesting to hear how the land was terrible uh, and then the land became beautiful and all of yeah. these animals came back. And, it, it, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to discredit mother nature, isn't it? Like, yeah. right. <laughs> I mean, there's more knowledge there than yeah. we have. Um, so yeah. it's interesting. Yeah. I, I, I appreciate your comment there. It, it, yeah. You know, really we're honoring this system that mother nature and, and, and God created and understanding it and all the biology that live in the soil and, and our job as farmers and ultimately stewards of the land and stewards of that biology is to kind of do no harm. And once we understand what they like and what they don't like, and we do that, then yields go up and, and, nutritional density goes up and, and so health goes up and we can think better and work harder and smarter. So it, it's just a really win, win, win. I love it. Um, who's inspiring you guys these days? Consumers. When we hear from that mom where her seven-year-old boy couldn't drink milk and they got, got our milk and he takes a drink and he goes, mommy, this is heaven in a jug or the parents of autistic children that call and say, wow, my kids couldn't do dairy because it made them hyperactive and they can digest your dairy just fine and they're calm after they drink it. Um, In fact, it's parents of autistic children that are funding research about A2 dairy and benefits. So if you have listeners that have autistic kids, take a look at what um, our organic A2 milk has to offer. Um, That's inspiring. Our mentors, we love podcasts. I listen to several of yours. Um, I love carnivore information. I love paleo information. I love the wellness mama, um, uh, sapien, <laughs> you know, there's just, I, anytime I'm doing something outside by myself, I will have a podcast on. 
I love it. So, yeah, I, I, I'm inspired, I think, differently. I, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts. I don't do anything on the Internet. I, I have, you listen you know, to YouTube. I, I, yeah, YouTube. <laughs> well, I, I watch that. Um, but um, inspired by just most recently, uh, well, most recently this morning, somebody said the Apostle Paul was a lot like a, uh, you know, a really smart um, uh, entrepreneur who could adapt to change when he learned new good information (laughs) and and, and i thought wow that's phenomenal so that was on an earlier call this morning but last month we we had a a visit a visitor from uh, his native country of zambia and and his name is francis miles and he wrote a couple of books but one of his books is called i speak to the earth and and so it's the relationship from the bible of a you know, kind of man's dominion over the earth, the animals, the fish, the the birds. And uh, it was just really in, um, I, it was, it was a great awakening for me because it, it reconfirmed a lot of stuff I already knew and understood and felt. And now I can verbalize it a lot better because I understand it better. And it's all about understanding the earth and that we have dominion over the earth. And it, it's up to us to, to um, kind of demand our crops to, to perform well and the soil to grow well. And there's nothing wrong with high yields. And, um, but you got to do it in, 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 a, uh, in harmony with nature and, and not, not this uphill battle. And so that was really wonderful. You stored it. Yeah, I, I've always hated thistles and berry briars, which uh, kind of haunt us around our farm. And, uh, you know, it's just inspiring me to, to know that those are uh, also called out in the Bible as in terms of thorns and, and, and weeds that are, that are just, you know, not supposed to be there. And so, so it is our job to take them out and, and, and to keep them out. And so that's what I do as a farmer. That's, yeah. that's what inspires me. And, and definitely inspired by the Bible. I love it. Um, what does a day in the life of your diet look like? Diet. Hmm. <laughs> what are you guys eating over there? Yeah, let, let me go first. <laughs> um, yeah, so when we started this brand in, in May, uh, or I'm sorry, September of, of 17, and Stephanie and, and Vanessa, our oldest daughter, were up in Bellevue, Washington, and, and Seattle area, and, and kind of launching for about two weeks. And so I decided to, because of my YouTube experience, I decided to start fasting. And so uh, it was really a neat experience. And so I, I just, went without food for a long time and, and lost some weight and which was really quite nice. And, and so I tend to uh, start really slow in the day and, and, and basically don't eat anything until the afternoon. And, uh, and, but whatever we eat is, is super good food. It's for me, it's salami and sausage and all of our homegrown everything's and cheese. And uh, we also make some cool grass fed cheese. I do love to cook, but now that the kids are out of the house, I'm, I feel like I don't cook as much, but I cook in bulk. So I'm taking things out of the freezer one more time kind of thing. Um, but I, I start my day off with, um, I do a half decaf, half regular organic coffee blend and our whipping cream and kind of drink a couple of those for the next two, three, four hours. And then I really don't eat my meal until lunchtime. Today, I have hard boiled eggs set to to make. And then we have some really good local sourdough bread. Um, that a farmer does and, and his wife. And so I um, have that plan for lunch today. Cause we actually have people coming over in a little while for lunch and um, then dinner. I haven't started up yet, but it could be a yeah. soup. It could be um, we have some meat out um, we'll have salad with it. I make our own dressing. I make a ranch blend 
um, with our, uh, with um, our yogurt and actually your uh, mayonnaise. <laughs> and I, I was going to say, I can send you some salad dressing. I mean, come yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. get with the program over there. Yeah. 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 And, well, last night we had some of our, our grass fed tri-tip. So, so yeah. everything we eat is from what we, we eat our own beef and pork and eggs and milk. Do you guys sell any of your own beef or you're no, just we, we, we do with, um, kind of locals and uh, we, we don't, yeah, that's not a venture that we're uh, trying to expand on. Yeah, uh, yeah, we, we we sell to some of these other wonderful brands. At, yeah, in, in terms of our supply of livestock, I love it. It's great. Um, okay, what is? I love the fasting, but you keep mentioning this YouTube. What's going on with YouTube and you, Blake, over there? Like, I feel like I'm missing out yeah. on an inside joke. Yeah. <laughs> it, it shows up on our big TV, and I can sit in the chair in the evening, and I can check out if the Warriors played last night if they won and I can watch it in seven or eight minutes. And oh, so this is like your TV. You just do YouTube. I just do YouTube and Got I'm it. a huge okay. Tom Brady fan. And I, uh, I try to watch all that stuff that's being chatted about and very little politics and very little news. Cause it just gets really frustrating. I don't tell you. I'm convinced. I mean, yeah, a lot of grazing videos on. And, oh, yeah. You, yeah. You've learned so much. Yeah. A lot YouTube. of world agriculture stuff. I was watching last night uh, a deal on Egypt and some cities they're building and uh, restructuring. And it's really cool. They finally mentioned and showed on a map the city called the 6th of October. And I I was actually I visited there 33 years ago in a leadership trail. And I have not been able to verify that that city even existed. And there it was on YouTube. I love it. I would love to see the recommended videos that are coming in on YouTube. If you're like following Tom Brady and also, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and also ancient cities in Egypt. And this is amazing. Yeah. And a lot of, um, I, I love watching a lot of stuff like out of, uh, well, this, the different deserts, so all of Africa and, and uh, even Australia, where they're doing different things with water regenerating and, and, and basically, you know, reversing des- desertification and the drying up of, of cultures. And, and so that's been a big part of it. And uh, gosh, 30 years ago, I, I spent a day with Alan Savory and, and uh, it was just a wonderful experience. It was me and him and another fellow drinking wine on the beach in Santa Barbara. And my friend went to work for him full time after that. And I just kind of became a disciple of, of understanding the Alan Savory's, um, if you don't know him, he's a phenomenal guy and he's on YouTube, one of the most listened to YouTube TED Talks. Um, it's, anyhow. Yeah, no, I love it. I mean, there's been a movement, right? Like COVID happened and there's a lot of people who are like, I'm out, like I'm out of the yeah. city. You know, a lot of people are like leaving LA, Chicago, they're buying land in Tennessee or wherever mm-hmm. and they want to get involved in this kind of more like, back to the roots, back to nature, holistic living, you know, it kind of gave everyone a little bit of an excuse to shake up their lives. I think there was probably a little bit of a reality check that came along with that, right? That maybe, you know, I don't know if I actually want to be a farmer, but I definitely want to support these people who are doing it right. But it seems like, um, it just seems from my perspective, like the momentum is certainly there. Like regenerative agriculture to me feels like the evolution of paleo and keto. This is like where it's going. Mm -hmm. I think. Um, so it's, it's very cool to be chatting with people who have been doing it before it was cool. Um, what is, let's see, this is my 
favorite question I ask everyone, but I'm curious, what's something most people don't know about you guys? Hmm. I actually have that one, finally. I realized that. What's yours? Um, so we are personal friends of Guy Fieri. And, <laughs> and, uh, and it's like, I get asked that type of question all the time. I'm thinking, why am I not saying that? So I've known him for 42 or three years. Uh, we grew up in the same little hometown of Ferndale, California. No way. And yeah. And in the last uh, five years or so, we've become real close. And so we've got a lot of mutual friends and we hang out together and we do different things and we're both crazy busy, of course. And uh, but it's a it's a it's a it's a neat thing. And it's a lot of fun. He just uh, released a TV show last weekend with, that featured a, a tour to our farm, which was really cool. So cool. I love it. It's a good one. I was not expecting that. Yeah. I think on, on me, um, you know, everybody, I, and I prayed I'd marry a dairy farmer. That was something I've always wanted to do because I love the life. I love milk. I love cows. And um, it just came so easy for me. I, I was the girl working with the cows all the time on my parents' dairy. Um, but today my role is controller and I deal with the books and the bank. Um, I have a bookkeeper that helps me an office manager and stuff like that. But I truly hate what I do every day <laughs> as my position. And I don't think a lot of people realize that how stressful it is sometimes to be that farm wife who does the books and we're that farm that we launched a brand and it's been really expensive. And so we're struggling. We didn't bring in investors. We're doing it on our own back. And, and so it's, it's been harder than I ever imagined. I kind of deal with some of the book work first thing in the morning. And then I open my Bible and just give, find things to give me strength. And then I change my mindset and excited to go on, <laughs> but um, it's, it's been a trying venture to do to do this brand and you know we're open up to some sort of help financially and and um seeing what's the next moves and yeah we just trust yeah. the lord on that move yeah that inventory management will kill your cash flow real fast yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hear you. it's expensive to do business in retail uh, and yes. that's just the truth i mean yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we're happy to anyone listening who wants to reach out, who's <laughs> we'll send good vibes your way. And I'm happy to follow up to more on that um, after the podcast. But, yeah. Yeah, God. Yeah. yeah. This time of year, we really love this time of year. Of course, the grass is growing. Cows are all out grazing and they actually have been grazing since about February. But we um, do a little bucket calf program that maybe someday your kids could do. Yeah. <laughs> kids in our community come and adopt a calf. And we started it 24 years ago as a way of teaching our kids, friends about our farm, what we do at our dairy farm. And now to our 24th year, um, we last year we had 190 kids that adopted a calf at our farm. They come every week to work with their calf in a, in a set meeting. And then they can come all throughout the week to work with their calf anytime. And then they're also learning different aspects of, of the dairy farm every week. And they learn that we are a family farm and, and that we just wholeheartedly welcome us them into our, our family farm. We just love that those kids and families kind of become ambassadors in our community about what we're about. We have the great questions from the kids that we can answer. And sometimes we bring up topics that we hear from consumers, what they might thinking about something on a dairy farm. And we answer that in a proactive way. And so it's just warms our heart to do that program. And um, we love it because even tourists come out and they see the kids with the calves in the halter and then the tourists next thing you know, are see are walking the calf as well. I love it. Way to get the kids involved in the 
production of their food so they understand. And right. Absolutely. That's awesome. So consumers can find you guys. Give us a little like pitch on where everyone can find you. Are you guys still, are you just doing the retail side now? Or are you still providing dairy to people like Clover and stuff like that? Yeah, we are supplying uh, to Rumiano cheese and to Humboldt Creamery and uh, a couple others. Um, not so much Clover anymore. They, they've okay. gone on their own. Um, I love but, Humboldt Creamery. Like that Humboldt oh. fog cheese is. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. Yeah. That, that's, that's a good stuff. Um, so, so um yeah, as far as where we're at, it's kind of high-end natural food stores across the country. We're in a few thousand stores. Um, certainly Whole Foods and Sprouts would be the primaries. And then up and down the West Coast here, uh, we're, we're a, a little more densely populated. We'd be in uh, more stores. But Yeah, if you go to our website, Alexandre Family Farm, there's a store locator and people can put in their zip code and see where we're located and also what products are sold at each store. Yeah. And I like, said Alexander, but it's Alexandre, huh? Yeah, we, you know, we say Alexander, it's just easier, but yeah, it's definitely spelled backwards. Yeah. So if somebody <laughs> has to look it up or spell it, we kind of do the Dre. Yeah. <laughs> and other we say Alexander. Okay, got it. So did, I didn't pronounce it wrong. Just no, not you're correct. Okay. Yeah. You. Okay. <laughs> I was like, man, I'm blowing it from the intro with you guys. No, not at no, all. No, 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 no. We're good. I love it. Happy if we say Alexandre. Yeah. If they have to spell it, we say it. Well, Mark always people would say, "Is he Mark Sisson?" And we're like, "No, he's just Mark Sisson." Like, you don't need to add the like, you don't need to add the French accent or whatever it is. Yeah. Right. Sure. There. We're good. Um, well, it was so lovely chatting with you guys. Thank you so much for taking the time, and um, we we'll, we look forward to educating our audience more about about all the amazing things you guys are doing. Thank well, you. Thank you, Morgan. Yeah, yeah, anytime. And you're certainly welcome to come see us and your listeners are welcome to come see us. And we're kind of yeah. a wide open book here. Yes, it's a beautiful area to visit. Um, we have the redwoods, the sea, the, the rivers, such a great camping location. So come up and see us. Fabulous. Thanks, guys. Cool. Thank All right, you. Thank you.